I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. I am Dr. Aaron Eugene McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm James Goodlatte. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Rogan, MD. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. I am so stoked for this interview. Jade Bryce is this incredible human. She's a practitioner of Tantra. She's learning from some of the best. And she's going to spill some of her secrets. She's a former model, posed in Playboy innumerable times. And of course, you can imagine, she's a beautiful woman. She was a ring girl for one of the major MMA brands and lived her life as this beautiful, talented woman and carried a tremendous amount of trauma with her. And so in this episode, we talk about how she has utilized her study and practice of the tantric philosophy, let's say, because it's really a lifestyle. It's not just like a checklist of things you do to self-care. We get into cervical orgasm. We get into cervical wands, dildos. We talk about birth trauma. We talk about womb wounds. And she tells a really interesting story about birth control because we actually met the weekend I was in Austin for the screening of The Business of Birth Control, Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein's film, if, which if you haven't seen, go to thebusinessof.life and use code BELOVED50. You'll save 50% on the screen. If you pay the full price, it actually really will support the making of more films like this because it's amazing. It's so needed. She and I met through Tosh Kingsbury, who's been on the show a few times. And she's friends with Tosh. She's friends with some other people in the Austin area. And she came to the screening and she and I have gotten to be friends since then. She has a remarkable story. She's gone through two somewhat traumatic births of her own, and she's done a lot of healing in her life, which I think should really draw things into perspective. What we see on Instagram, what we see in the magazines and on TV and whatnot, it's not entirely real. Like, yes, Jade Bryce is a real person, of course. But when you hear somebody like Jade, who has so many amazing attributes, talk about some of the really challenging things she's worked through, it should make you feel like, I can do this too. I, I can stand on my own two feet. I can breathe deeply, deep into my pelvis, into my womb, for me, into my gonads, into my solar plexus, and really feel through what is it that's locked up in there and how can I break out of that in order to write a new story for myself. That is what Jade Bryce is all about. And I'm so stoked that she agreed to come on the show. Without a couple sponsors, we can't make this show possible. So I want to take a moment to tell you about them. I know that it's probably not the thing you're here to listen to, but I really, really, really find it important to highlight certain brands out in the world. They're fully in alignment with my practices, with how I support my own clients through pregnancy, postpartum, menopause, everything in between. The first is Fit for Birth. James Goodlatte, who's been on the podcast, go and listen to his episode. It's fantastic. James Goodlatte and his team at Fit for Birth, they customize exercise and nutrition coaching programs for pregnant and postpartum women. And if you go to like any other personal exercise guru, I'm sure that 99% of them don't have a lick of insight 
that would be relevant to a person who's pregnant or postpartum. This is a very special time in your life while you're pregnant. Your body's going through these incredible anatomical and physiologic shifts, and it requires some specific coaching for you, personalized coaching. So Fit for Birth is one of these few companies that actually caters exercise and nutrition to pregnancy and postpartum. If you want to be linked up with a Fit for Birth professional, I can't recommend them enough. Go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved and you'll save 20% on all of their coaching packages. I wish that when I was in residency, I had known about these types of programs because in the seven minutes you get to spend with your OBGYN, I mean, there, I was in my scrubs trying to do stretching and showing them how to do push-ups and, and all these things. It would have been so great to just be able to refer them out. And now I can... Go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved. These guys are incredible over at Fit for Birth. The other sponsor of this episode is Organifi. My friend Drew Canoli has put together an incredible product lineup at Organifi. I use nearly every one of their products, and I'm super stoked that their turmeric-rich gold smoothie blend, latte blend, I'll call it, they've reformulated it for the fall, and now in addition to turmeric and lemon balm and functional mushrooms. There's also this infusion of allspice, clove, nutmeg. It's like a pumpkin spice latte in the clouds. If you blend it up with some coconut milk, warm it up you know, with some hot water in there, blend it all together. It is the perfect evening beverage. In fact, after I finish reading this ad, I'm going to go blend some up myself. Go to Organifi.com slash beloved and you can try their gold pumpkin spice latte blend. They also have a red juice and a green juice. They've got so many amazing products. Organifi uses all organic ingredients. They're all glyphosate free. They are gluten-free, non-GMO. They've got everything that you want in a drink and you don't have to worry about what is this garbage? What processed junk have they put in? I know the owner personally. I would trust him with making me a smoothie any day. So go to Organifi.com slash Beloved. You'll save 20% on their new pumpkin spice gold latte. It's specifically good for promoting restful sleep, supporting immune system health, and it's delicious. It's everything you need in an evening latte right before bed. So again, the website is Organifi.com slash Beloved, and you'll save 20% on your purchase. Please support these guys. They're doing great work. I wouldn't have them on the show as sponsors otherwise. All right, without further ado, this is a good one, guys. Episode 92 is with my friend Jade Bryce, the talented, the experienced, the tantric worker. Let's get into it right now. Jade Bryce, welcome to the Holistic OBGYN podcast. Hi, I'm so grateful to be here. I feel like it's kind of like an honor for me because you asked me to come on your show and I'd sort of been like wondering like, uh, should I ask her? Like it was one of those things where you just get nervous about somebody saying no. And then you asked me and I was like, can you be on my show too? (laughs) Oh no, man, that episode of yours on mine was just, we squeezed so much in Yeah, and I had so much wonderful feedback. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad I can be a boon to the show and not like, oh my gosh, how am I going to explain this episode away? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. You and I met at Tosh and Kyle Kingsbury's house in Austin a couple months ago. And by the time this comes out, it'll be like, gosh, maybe like four months after we did the screening of the business of birth control. 
And that's Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein's new film. If anybody wants to see it, I should just plug it real quickly because it was an awesome film. You and a whole cohort of amazing people in Austin showed up. If you guys want to see the film, my code is BELOVED50 if you wanted to save 50% off the screening, just because I think I want to say that now so that everybody out there can go and see it. You and I talked about this on your episode, but talk to me a little bit about what were your impressions from the film? It was a pretty confronting film, but also probably very validating, I think, for a lot of young women in the audience. Yeah. I had a lot of anger come up, not like the anger that hurts the body, but like the anger that like leads to activism, you know, because there's just so much corruption in the medical industry. And to know that, like, I mean, we already know that through a lot of different modes that it has been on young women, but like to know that something that was treated as a form of empowerment, you know, like it just felt so manipulative. And I told you on the interview with you on my show, I think I was 15 and I had really bad acne and kids were mean at my school. Like they would put Noxema all over my locker. And so for me, it was like, yeah, I'll take anything, you know, I wasn't sexually active, but I took birth control to clear up my skin. And within a few months I could barely breathe. And I went back to that doctor and she prescribed me Xanax. So at 15, Jeez, oh man, you know, there was no care for, I know you don't like to use the word patient and I don't really either, but there was no care for me as a human in that office. I mean, I was a 15 year old that felt like I couldn't breathe and was having chest pain. And I was maybe in her office for five minutes. She didn't listen for anything. She didn't ask me what was going on in my life. It really saddened how many women around my age probably got put on the pill and now are in their thirties with autoimmune diseases or hormonal issues because they haven't been bleeding for majority of the time that they've had their bleed. And so there was that part. And then I also felt really saddened. I didn't know that when we're on the pill, they were actually not having a period. It's just a withdrawal bleed. I had no idea. To me, that was so devastating as well, because a bleed is so sacred. Many of us are not taught that, but I mean, it's a time of release. Like we're releasing all that doesn't serve us. When you use it intentionally the day before your bleed, write down the things that you want to release in your bleed, you know, and then if you use a cup or however other way you can collect your blood for me, I like to pour it into the earth and give that release to the earth. And it, it can be such a sacred time, but also like not bleeding takes us out of rhythm with nature. And so the fact that like many women don't even realize that they're not having a period, it was saddening and maddening that so many are on this pill with no real information about what it's doing. So. I think what you're getting at, Jade, is really the primary reason that I left the medical system. It's nobody's job to tell a woman, especially as women have been told what they can and can't do for millennia, for everything under the sun, but especially about what to put into their body or not input into their body. It's really nobody's job to say what you should do. It's your job to make the informed decision, but then it's my job in order for you to make that decision to give risk benefits alternatives. And you're maybe the millionth woman who has told me that I was never really counseled on the birth control pill. It was advertised and promoted in a very compassionate way. Like, hey, you don't need to have those pesky periods or stop with all the silly cramping and acne. Let's just take this pill without anybody giving you the downsides. That sounds like that was your experience at your OBGYN's clinic. What did they tell you? Do you remember? Like, did they tell you anything about this powerful medicine? Just to take it at the same time every day. That was it. And... I started my cycle about 11 years old and it was extremely heavy. That's pretty early, right? 
Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I had so much trauma though. I had so much womb trauma. I mean, I was so disconnected to my body and also we didn't have much. And so we were often eating McDonald's dollar menu. Got it. And then the school lunches that are just awful, you know? And so I'm fried sure meat that- product. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And disgusting little cartons of milk. And, you know, I was downing a bunch of Pop-Tarts and Dr. Pepper for breakfast. Like I just had a really unhealthy diet, but more than that, I had a lot of trauma in my womb and starting at 11 years old, having a very heavy period, as well as a mother that I couldn't even tell that I started my period. I was terrified too, because we weren't allowed to talk about anything that had to do with what we called in our home, private parts, you know, (laughs) Your no-no places. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like I was a size C bra in fifth grade. Like I couldn't ask for bras, like anything that had to do with anything remotely sexual could not be talked about. So there was also that stress around my period, but every single month I would go to school and I would bleed on the chair because I was so heavy. I mean, I would go through a pad every hour with cramps. My cramps were so painful. It would hurt to move my toes. And so when they offered me the birth control, they didn't tell me that that was going to fix any of that. And I honestly can't remember if it did. I can't remember if my cramps or heaviness got better. I do know that in my late twenties, when I started drinking celery juice every morning on an empty stomach, I also started doing coffee enemas every day for like three months. How old were you then? About 29. 29. Okay. I also started working with plant medicine to heal trauma. Since then, I'm 38 this year. So in nine years, I have not had one super heavy flow or painful period, except for one time. And it's because I remember that prior month, I just like went to town on sugary treats, which is not the norm for me, but I like had a really unhealthy gluten and sugar filled diet. And sure enough, that next month I had an, like a really tough period, but In those nine years, since working with that trauma, and we talked about the book, The Cure for All Diseases, and she says that most endometriosis and most painful periods are caused from liver flukes, which Emma's clears. So I'm not sure which of the three, it may have been all three together, but since then, all those reasons that a lot of women take birth control, I was able to heal myself. Yeah. And the acne, I sadly ended up taking Accutane at 19, which screwed up my vision. (laughs) That was another person didn't tell me that that happened. Yeah. When we were talking, maybe it was on your show or just the way our chats we've had, you mentioned womb wounds and you brought it up a little bit before and you related it to what I would call precocious puberty. You're a little bit earlier onset menarche than other girls your age. Tell me a little bit about womb wounds. What is a womb wound and how does that play into your experience as an adolescent? Yeah. So... I believe that so much of what we're carrying in our wombs is actually ancestral. You know, Zach Bush talks about how we carry trauma in our DNA for 14 generations, but you also think about when we're just an egg, we're in our mother while she's in our grandmother's womb. So we're actually experiencing that world. Like, even though we're just an egg, it's like still carried in our DNA and in our memory of like, everything she experienced when we were in her womb and then everything our mother experienced, you know, to think about. Yeah. It's really cool. Especially when you're a curse breaker, it's really cool to think about because you're not only healing past generations, you're healing future generations. When you break those curses of trauma, 
but I know for me, I was in my mother's womb while she was abused by my father. And then, you know, had a lot of sexual trauma very early on, as well as like, think about the womb as it's your sexual center, you know, it's your creativity and that's second chakra. mm -hmm, Yeah. And I mean, there's not just the sexual trauma that I experienced, but the religious trauma that I experienced of sexuality being bad. Like I remember you think about womb trauma and you think about like, you know, it's something that happened specifically to your womb, but it's also just what we carry there as a woman. And, you know, I remember this is probably true for a lot of people. The first time that they're caught touching themselves, how their parents respond, you know, that gets stored in the sexual center and it's typically ends up being shame. And so there's so much stored there. And I know for me, using a cervical wand has been extremely healing, like speaking into the wand and then using it and then really reclaiming like, you know, my podcast is called Untamed and Unashamed. And that's really, when I was coming up with the name, I was taking it as like, what do I want to be initiated into? And when I use my cervical wand for de-armoring of that space, there's typically a lot of pleasure at the end of it. But after I take the wand out, I'll take the juice and I'll put it like behind my ears and on my wrist. And that's a way of like reclaiming what's been shamed, you know, like being so untamed and unashamed of anything that has to do with my body, what comes out of it and my sexual expression. And I, you know, posted a couple of days ago that like every mythic goddess story journeys to the underworld. And it's like a part of her reclamation. And I truly feel that, especially for women, but for, I'm sure mostly men as well, that our sexuality, like so much of our underworld experience is going in and sitting with that sexual shame and letting it be a reclamation. And part of that for me, it sounds so silly, but like part of that for me was doing that in a very unashamed way. And also talking about it, like grow up in a home where we could not ever even say a word that had to do with any body part that could be considered sexual to now, you know, I'm hosting a Yoni worship party soon, you know, like everything you can do to reclaim what was suppressed. I'm already wondering, do you have a cervical wand nearby that you could show me? Yeah. Okay. She's going to get her cervical wand. Yeah. This is like what a typical wand looks like. Okay. So it's shaped like a dildo, but it has a curvature at the end. Oh yeah. It is a curvature. Yeah. And this is like kind of more for like pleasure. Gosh, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful piece of glass. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. If you guys are listening, make sure you check out the YouTube version of this and you'll get to see some of these instruments. They're beautiful devices. So I wanted to show you that one so that you could see the difference of the cervical wand. Oh, I see. So the cervical wand is much longer and it's curved. So what happens when you use a cervical wand is not only does this touch the cervix, but because it's curved, you can turn it clockwise and you know, you typically want to do like three, six, nine, 12. However, any point where you feel a sensation, you stop and you breathe into it. So you inhale into the sensation and you exhale and sound the sensation. And through that, you're de-armoring that area and moving whatever's stored there. And it's so interesting because I brought up how a lot of it's ancestral. There's times when I'm using this and, you know, I get to like the three o'clock and I inhale to feel exhale sound. And when I sound, there's like 
dozens of other women's sounds coming through me. And I don't know if that's something that's collective, but for me, it feels really ancestral. It feels like I have goosebumps all over my body right now. It feels to me like it's a lot of the rape trauma that my Aztec Native American woman experienced, you know, through colonization. But it's like a wailing and it's like, it's not my voice. And so, yeah, so you can work with this. And that's just like an example of if you just want to see what's there, inhale, exhale sound. But you can also work with like a specific intention of, you know, removing blockages to pleasure. Because you think about also the yoni is so connected to the heart and to the throat. If you have a closed throat or you have a closed heart, you have a closed yoni. And so really opening up that space and healing that space will not only open your heart, but it'll open your throat. And you look at even the images of the throat and the yoni, they're, you know, so similar. And then my last tool that I love is the jade egg. The egg, yeah. Oh my God. I have used the jade egg at times and felt like I was on 5-MeO. Like really, really powerful when you are using breath and energy. And, uh, you know, you can use the string to stimulate the G spot, the goddess spot. And a lot of times that has become stagnant in a way, you know, so like using this to move that energy while you sound again, like with the cervical wand. But what I really like to do with my jade egg is with my hand. And this is something that's taught in the Taoist books. Like it's, I think Taoist and Tantra both does this, but it's like you form a vortex with your hand under your yoni while you have the egg in, and then you move up your body, up your chakras and whatever is like there, you ask the egg to take it. So you like breathe, inhale, you thrust up to like take that energy. And then you exhale sound and move your pelvic down to the vortex and let the vortex take it. And I mean, whoa, you really (laughs) feel stuff remove. And before I knew about the jade egg, I was doing something really similar with the Osho divine fuck, which is you picture your image of the divine masculine or God consciousness, however he shows up for you. And sometimes it's Jason Momoa, but whatever you want. <laughs> so Merman. <laughs> or not Merman. What is his Aquaman or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it can also like, if you're uncomfortable with picturing an actual person, it can just be an image or a color. It can be whatever feels safe for you. I was joking about that. I actually picture Jesus, Yeshua, and that sometimes can feel triggering for people. But anyhow, with the Osho divine fuck, you do a similar practice as what I described with the jade egg, but you see this divine masculine with a four foot cock and he goes into you while you're pleasuring yourself and you allow him to take slowly with the four foot cock of consciousness goes to the first chakra, takes what doesn't serve you second, third, all the way up to the crown. So that was what I used to do. And then I found out about the jade egg and I started doing that practice and oh my God, I mean, I've only done five MEO once, but almost every time I use my jade egg, it's like I've taken the rocket ship. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really powerful. And uh, yeah. Okay. So let me go back to Jason Momoa because I have an (laughs) important question here because now I can't get this out of my mind. (laughs) Would it be the Aquaman Jason Momoa or would it be the Game of Thrones Jason Momoa? The one that looks like Jesus. (laughs) You have a a votive candle with Jason Momoa as Jesus holding a lamb. That is the most amazing candle I've ever seen. (laughs) Where do you get those wands? Because a friend of mine, Emily Abbott at Psychedelic Gypsy, 
she sells wands that look exactly like that. So I'm curious if they're the same, if it's the same company or she just sources them from the same place. Where do you recommend people go? Wands, W-A-A-N-D-S.com, wands.com. Code Jade gets you a discount. I think it's like 20%. You want to use, especially like for anal plugs, like you want to be really careful that the company is like providing high, high quality things. Yeah. Cause if these chip Ugh. and bacteria gets stored in there. So I really trust wands and I love their products. Also before I knew, I mean, my name's Jade. So I like love. I wasn't going to say the obvious, but I was like, she's got a Jade egg. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. The first time I had this in and I felt like I was on five MEO. I was like, you know how sometimes you get goofy on psychedelics and you get this like download that like sounds silly once you're sober. I was like, this is why I was named yeah. Jade. <laughs> <laughs> the Dallas name for Yoni is Jade, Jade Fountain. And penis is Jade Stock. So it's really interesting. That was my nickname in high school, Jade Stock. That's so funny. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say about the Jade Egg, I love it so much. However, it is getting a bit trendy to use. You don't want to use the black tourmaline that are also a little popular because like the thing that's great about the Jade Egg is the crystal itself is completely balanced in yin and yang properties. So like it's great to work with in the Yoni, the black tourmaline that a lot of people use. I mean, you can do it, but it's really intense. Like you're going to go really deep. But what I was going to say is that because a lot of people are feeling like this is not ethical to like for these, a lot of people are just doing clear glass, like the wands. Oh, because there's kind of like the conflict diamond. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I had this jade egg before I knew that, but there are clear crystal eggs. And that's what my teacher promotes is using the clear crystal egg. egg. Okay. They're beautiful. I mean, I also am thoughtful though about, you know, I know crystals can become embedded with vibrational frequencies. So you have to clear your crystals once in a while. Do you also clear your wands and your egg? So imagine the dark, like the jade and the obsidian types, those are going to embed very, very quickly. So I'm just kind of curious. It's super important, yeah, that you infuse them with light. So I do have this charging plate. Oh yeah. It's a sacred geometry plate. Yeah. Yeah. So you can charge it on selenite, which just transmutes all negative energy into positive energy. Even that's so beautiful, like just as a piece of furniture. Yeah. (laughs) But my favorite method is under the full moon, every full moon, charging it with the full moon energy. And I just had a Vedic astrology last night. It just confirmed so much, but I'm also really meant to work with the sun. And I think it's why I'm so called to Huachuma. So I'm also going to start charging these under the sun as well, like early morning hours. So this is an anal plug. And I think it's... Yeah. What type of material is that? It's like a pink... It's not quartz. Adventurine. Adventurine? Yeah. So Jamie Wheel, he talks about how the asshole is the quickest way to God. So (sighs) this is also a fun tool to use. I believe that. I believe that. Wow. Let me ask you about this. So, you know, you come from a place where you're a Catholic, Protestant, one of those growing up. Well, I grew up in a home where we were going to a Christian megachurch. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. But I was also being abused pretty heavily at home. So it felt like, what are we doing? Like I'm getting beat and then we're getting in the car and going to church, you know? So there was never much there. But when I was 15, I got adopted into a really religious family. And for them, any sort of sexual thought, desire, any of that outside of marriage was demonic. Wow. It was preached into us in a way that was very fear-based. So 
we would do these camps every six weeks where they would sit you down and have something that they called a deliverance, but they would cast demons out of you. And people would go into, the thing that's crazy for me is I attended over a hundred of these. I hosted one when I was 17, not trauma informed. They just gave me a mic and let me host this for 30 teenage girls. Like I still can't fathom how these people in their thirties allow, I I know for them, they thought they were doing God's work. So I get it. But anyhow, you would sit in this chair. And the thing that's crazy to me, you know, I attended over, over a hundred of them. They would cast out the demon of lust or the demon of anorexia, whatever, the demon of bisexuality, whatever it was. And people would start vomiting and they'd start like some would look like they were having seizures. So something was definitely happening, you know, because entities are real. Maybe they just took advantage of people in this scenario. I have no clue. I'm still really sitting with all that happened there. But at the end, and you can imagine this was pretty freaky for all of us in the room, they'd say, okay, so you've now been cleansed. If you were cleansed of anorexia and you deprive yourself of food, or if you were cleansed of lust and you have a lustful thought, that demon will come back and bring seven friends. And so like, it was such a terrifying thought as they would say, miss the mark. You know, it was this preaching of original sin and never being good enough. And that's something that I love so much about Tantra now, which I feel like is kind of my religion is that there is no original sin. Like everything within us is goddess consciousness. Everything is holy. And even those self-deprecating thoughts have a message and have consciousness. And when we work with them through internal family systems or inner child work, you know, they really just want a seat at the table and they're really just protecting us. There's nothing bad in Tantra. You know, the reason I asked you about your religion, I didn't know all of that even, but that actually reinforces my sort of, I don't know, my conjecture, which is that when you started, we'll just say self-pleasure, your self-pleasure journey, how confronting must that have been for you, given how afraid, you know, you'd been in this sort of state of fear about your own sexuality for all this time. And then at some point you started working out of that. And I'm sure that that journey in, in and of itself is a whole story. But then when you actually did start pleasuring yourself, and perhaps even now when you use these wands, do those little inklings of fear come back up for you? So in my 20s, when I would try to pleasure myself, I would not have any pleasure. I would end my practice with so much frustration and sometimes tears. And I didn't know, I just maybe thought I was broken. And I think I was listening to Dr. Drew back then who yeah, like, yeah, right. Right. I remember him on kind of like, this is normal for women in their twenties. And so I kind of just was like, Oh, all right. But for me, my nervous system did not feel safe to feel pleasure. And I didn't know that in my twenties, I just honestly thought that I was doing it wrong or that I was broken or that, you know, I was afraid to ask for more in the bedroom with partners. I was in my twenties, you know, like I didn't know how to ask for something. My nervous system not only didn't feel safe for pleasure, but all that trauma that was in there and the space of my yoni and of not only from people who have transgressed it, but like from myself, from when I had abandoned myself, you know, because the yoni holds so much wisdom. So does the womb, like as a woman and men too, with their genitals, I can put my hand on my yoni and ask a question and feel a contraction or an expansion in it as a yes or no. And I didn't have that relationship in my twenties, but mostly like most of the issue was that I did not feel safe 
to experience pleasure. Pleasure was dangerous. Pleasure was painful. And my nervous system also just, it was so wired for pain. It wasn't wired for pleasure. And so without knowing all of that, I didn't really have a pleasure practice in my twenties because I was so tired of just ending it with frustration and tears. And then in my thirties, I started to want more in partnerships sexually. And that's when I started trying to figure out what my blockages were in sex. And through just asking that question, some sexual trauma came up that I didn't really remember that I had blocked out. And so I worked with MDMA assisted therapy and through that, not only did I become like this, I mean, three years ago, I was extremely sexually repressed without knowing it, even though I lived in the Playboy or stayed in the Playboy mansion for a summer in my twenties, even though I had shot 12 nude publications for Playboy in my Mm. 20s. Like you think that I was really expressed, but that was just rebellion, really. That was just like a form of rebellion for me. So once I started to heal this trauma about three years ago, I started to actually feel for this first time sexual, like a sexual being. And then through that, I started to really dive into, because anything that we want in our partnerships, anything that we want sexually that's external first has to happen internally. It's not our partner's responsibility to unlock our pleasure. And so if I wanted more pleasure, I knew that I needed to like create that narrow network that was possible for pleasure. I knew that I needed to feel safe for pleasure. And so that's when I started really looking into it and found Layla Martin, my teacher, started using the wands and then started getting trained to help other women connect to their pleasure. And the first week of July, so I gave the example of in my 20s, being so disconnected from my pleasure. The first week of July, I had somewhere around 70 to 80 orgasms without a partner and probably half of those without any touch. It was just using my breath and my energy. So that was like... Without any touch, did you just say? About half of them had no touch. Just working with my energy and my breath because I have become so connected to my yoni, to my womb, to my pleasure that just working with my breath, I can call on the type of orgasm that I want to have, whether it's a cervical, a full body, you know, which chakra I want to feel it in. And yeah, I'm so thankful to Mama Gina's work. She wrote the book Pussy and to, I didn't ever even say that word before I read that book because in the book, she's like, just say it out loud and see how it feels. And I'm like, wow, it rolls off the tongue. It feels really good. (laughs) But before that book, I had never even said it. So I'm so thankful to her work and to Layla's, but I truly feel like the most orgasmic woman. Like, and I feel like I'm able to live my life from that place. And I mentioned to you before that this morning, how I prepared for this interview was a handful of orgasms because when a woman is void of orgasms. Not only is she missing out on all the chemicals that are very good for her health and her brain. And, you know, like there's four chemicals that are released when you orgasm that prevent all types of cancers and diseases, but also it's the best antidepressant, right? So when a woman is void of that type of pleasure, not only is it not good for her health, but she's not usually walking around with this like queen, like confidence. When you just had an orgasm, you walk differently. Yeah. You yeah. feel differently. You speak differently because every time you have an orgasm afterwards, you have and hold more confidence. It's part of the chemicals released, but it's also part of like the fact that you just experienced pleasure. It feeds your worthiness. It's also an ego destroyer because 
no one after an orgasm is like, oh, I'm not good enough. It's like, I am awesome. You know, like <laughs> so many things. So it's my favorite thing to do before an interview. Yeah. So how many orgasms did you have before this interview, Jade? Just three. Oh, just, <laughs> just three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me take a sip of water after that. Okay, great. <laughs> One thing that really comes up for me, and I think a lot of people who are equally confronted by the conversation of sexuality, and anybody out there is confronted by sexuality because our society still carries these taboos and they run very deep. I mean, the source of a woman's power was her sexuality, and that's why we had to repress them over the ages. And I don't know if you've heard my, I just did this two and a half hour solo cast on the, a brief history of Western medicine, women healers, and witches. And through that history, you see that the sexuality was the most confronting thing about women, and that was the main angst that the church and the state had and the main scorn that they had for women. So this runs very deep in our culture. We know that. So anybody out there listening might not want to like hearing what you're saying, but secretly kind of want to know a little bit more. And I want to acknowledge that and honor that, that this is not just like, hey, come on, just start having orgasms all the time. Guys, get a wand and stick this big, you know, beautiful wand into your yoni and talk to your cervix. And like, I get it. Like, it is a lot. Mm-hmm. And the learning edge, those places where, you know, you can call it the shadow or whatever else, but that's actually where most of us need to start living at least more than 0.01% of our time. We maybe need to start living there and leaning into that a little bit more if we want to see growth in the ways that we're hoping to grow. And I think sexuality is the number one thing, especially in the way that our society looks at maidens, the young girl with you know, perky boobs. And by the way, can you very quickly talk about your Playboy photo shoot? Because I meant to bring that into the business of birth control. We'll put a pin in this. Tell us what the photographer at Playboy told you. So, yeah. So I want to say that, but really quickly, I do believe that majority of our wounds and trauma is rooted in our sexuality, whether it's shame or sexual And so when we heal that, what I've found is that it ripples out into all areas of our life. Whereas sure, like inner child work is really powerful and it's a part of sexual healing, but it doesn't always ripple out into every area. I found that when we heal our sexuality, it truly does affect all areas of your life. And then you brought up just sticking this in. So one thing I really want to point out, don't ever stick anything in your yoni without a full yes from your yoni, whether that's a tampon, a wand, a finger, a penis, a penis, anything you want a full yes. And you also don't ever just, oh, well, I only have five minutes. I'm going to cram it in. You have to go around the vulva, like take your time, make it to where your yoni is sucking it in. You don't even have to put it in. It's being sucked in. Like that is how you build trust with your yoni. And that is how you learn to listen to oh it. My so God. That's, that's really, really important. Yeah. That's really important because otherwise you're just re-traumatizing yourself. Yeah. And I mean, intercourse is like that for partners, you know, for any partner out there. Like sometimes it's like she is taking me in and I'm not even pushing. It's just like, and it's so much different. Yeah. When the lubricant hasn't happened, the book that I would recommend is Tao Tantric Arts of Sexuality or Women's Anatomy of Arousal. Those two books will talk about all the dangers of allowing something in your yoni before it has. What was the first book that you mentioned? Tao Tantric Arts. Tao Tantric Arts. Okay. Yeah, I think, I believe that's what it is. Mink DeVos is the Got writer. It. Got it. Perfect. Yeah. So that's huge. Otherwise you're just re-traumatizing yourself and building more of a blockage between you and your yoni. 
And then oh, there was one other thing that you said that I wanted to, but maybe it'll come back. So with the perky breast, with, <laughs> with the Playboy, so man, I really wish I could remember. Oh, well. So with the perky breast with Playboy, I think I was 25. And as a model, I was crash dieting all the time. And crash dieting, your breasts are not perky during crash dieting. If you're withholding food and then like eating all in one day, and then you have a shoot, so you don't eat for three days, like your boobs are just going to lose their fat and be, you know, I don't want to say sag, but they're not going to have their shape. And so I remember one of my first Playboy shoots, the photographer said, if I wanted to make Playmate, then I was going to have to have perkier breasts, but he wanted me to keep them natural. And so he told me to get on birth control. And so I did. And again, just like when I was 15, within three months, I was having massive headaches. I couldn't be in a room that was light. Like I had to have really dim lightings in all rooms because I just had these massive migraines and I felt like a crazy person. Like I could not have a civil conversation with someone. I always felt heated. And so luckily I got off of it pretty quickly. But yeah, that was another time in birth control for a silly reason. But that is another thing that we really have so much control over the perkiness of our breasts. If you do breast massage and the Taoist direction is going down on the outside, up on the inside, and then for a few minutes with oil, and it's really powerful if you're eye gazing in the mirror and saying, I love you while doing this. Most people don't look at themselves in the mirror, except for when they're like fixing something or, you know, glancing in themselves in the morning. If you sit in the mirror, and stare into your eyes saying, I love you. So much can come up. But if you're also doing that while massaging your breasts with oil, so the Taoist direction down on the outside, up on the inside for a few minutes, and then you reverse it. It's really important that you don't do that if you have something like breast cancer or anything like that, that you don't want to spread. But if you do that a few times a week as your self-care practice, not only are you opening your heart center, but you're building fullness and perkiness in your breasts. And so that's a really powerful, especially after breastfeeding, not only are you rebuilding that perkiness and fullness, but it's a way of like offering your breast gratitude through massage for all that they've done. Yeah. They've carried you in this baby through. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I forgot that we were going to get into that topic. The reason I actually brought the Playboy thing up was, by the way, did you make Playmate? I don't know if I know that part of the story. I was offered four different contracts and I took the shortest one. When I stayed there, I didn't stay there as long as I had planned. I felt it was really lonely, even though, you know, there were tons of parties and there was something really creepy there for me. Like I could feel, I don't know. I could feel this energy there that I was afraid to be alone in a room. Oh, weird. Yeah. So it's not the path I ended up choosing. I did shoot like 12 different spreads for them and campaigns, a couple of movie campaigns, like safe sense of anarchy. Like I did a couple campaigns for them and then did a couple of tours for them, but I didn't end up taking the big contract. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing all that. I know it seems abrupt for people listening, but I was thinking back to a photographer who's going to photograph a 20 something year old woman, 26, I think you said. And they're saying, Hmm, you're beautiful. You were also in the UFC ring girl, right? Yeah, I was with Bellator and then Invicta, which is UFC. Oh, gotcha. The competitors. (laughs) So you're obviously this beautiful woman. You've got this great spirit. You've got this great energy. We want to put you in our magazine. But albeit perfect, we want you to be more perfect. And we want you to actually be more of the maiden archetype, which is the perkier breasts as opposed to somebody who... Had you had children at the time? No. No. So it was just before Soul, right? 
about four years before him, I think that the issue with my breast was all the crash dieting from trying to yeah, yeah, yeah. end for shoots. Yeah. Or you're just perfect as you are, but we need you to look this particular way. And we're going to use these pharmaceuticals to do that. So what I wanted to get into is some archetypal transitions that you've been through in your life, because the one last thing that we haven't really got into that I want to make sure we have at least a few minutes to talk about is in our society, along with scorning women for their sexuality, the source of their magic, their power. That's we, what it was. Okay. Well, we'll get into that. Let's put a pin in that one. Yeah. So as we transition through our lives, men and women go through these archetypal transitions and it's not a clear delineation, but with motherhood, it does probably feel more delineated than others. So as you transitioned from maiden, this woman who is being valued, you know, as a photographable, beautiful woman, nude model, taking birth control in order to perk up her breasts, et cetera, like going through that whole thing of being the sort of in the male gaze and then transitioning to the queen archetype or the mother or the empress, I've also heard it called. Can you talk about what that was like for you? I mean, was it confronting for you to make that archetypal transition or was it actually healing for you? Yeah. So when I first became a mother, I didn't really make that transition because all of the money I had ever made was from being a maiden and all of the acceptance and desire I felt from my partner at the time was from being a maiden. I actually felt really rejected as the mother. And so I actually really pushed that away for the first few years of being a mother. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had an interview with someone diary of an honest mom. And we talk a bit about this, about I had a really traumatic C-section and then 12 months later had another one. And so my recovery wasn't great. And I was breastfeeding two kids at one time. And so I was stepping into the mother role in that sense, but like the actual archetype where I felt the power of a mother, I didn't hold that energy for a few years. And that was something I used to hold a lot of guilt and shame around because I also didn't feel like mothering came natural to me. I didn't grow up with a mother. I was never taught how to mother. And it wasn't until I learned from mother ayahuasca, what it's like to be a mother, what it's like to be mothered. I would drink of her cup and then she would sing to me and she would read me stories. And I had never experienced that. And so once I experienced that from her, I realized how comforting and how wonderful it felt when I did it for my children. And also I was not on plant medicine. I just did the opus bed, which is the bed that uses movement with sound. And I had this experience where I went back and saw my entire childhood, all the painful parts, all the times that I watched the violence, the times that violence were inflicted on me. And I saw myself hitchhiking and all the times I felt alone and that I really just wanted a mother. And then it went all the way back to the beginning And Mary Magdalene showed up as my mother and she covered me with her red cloak through all of that. And she was just protecting me. And even when the hitchhiking, there was like this group of, we'll call them bad characters, but I don't really want to, you know, use that, but I, I don't know what else to say. And she used her cloak to like shield me so that they couldn't see me. And she was just there all along the way. And so once I started to allow that guide of mine to mother me, and allow myself to feel open to experiencing mother ayahuasca in those ceremonies. Then it also empowered me to learn how to reparent and to mother my inner child. And that when I started to mother my inner child, that's when I really felt like I stepped into the mother archetype 
And that is also when I felt like I knew what to give my children, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. And I also firmly believe that the mother archetype does not need children to step into mother archetype. She also is not just a mother to her children. The mother archetype is mother to all, to all children, to everyone in the room that's in need. And I think one of our first deep conversations, we were talking about all the controversial topics. And I told you like before I'm anything, I'm a protector of children. And I think that's what the mother archetype is. Yeah. Would you say that your births were traumatic of your two children? So the first one, absolutely. My partner was drunk. I had to drive myself to the airport. To the, I always say airport to the hospital. You with said my that contract. to me when we were at the Springs I as well. Say <laughs> airport every time. <laughs> so I'm trying to get out of here. So I had to drive myself to the hospital, carry my own bags. I could feel his stress, and I could feel mine. And so not only was that like his experience coming into the world, but I was also just terrified. Like I was trembling the whole time. And of course the doctor saying, okay, we're going to do a C-section and I'm just terrified. And in this trauma state, like, I mean, I barely remember it, you know? And then a year later, because I had had that C-section, I had to have one is what they said with my daughter. Cause it had only been 12 months. And I also barely remember that. Like, it's like I blacked out and was just like out of body and you know, I'm 38 this year, so I don't know that it'll happen, but I know that there's some astrological markings that say I'll have a child at 42 and like a channeler has said that. I don't know, maybe not. And I have seen a female soul like show up at times on that and, and I'm like, reroute, reroute, not ready. You just text me when you get that positive pregnancy test. I'm kidding. <laughs> Nathan. Well, there's part of me that is like, you know, to experience that with someone who I'm actually in sacred union with, that somebody who's like actually going to hold me physically while I'm squatting and, you know, experiencing this birth fully in my body. And also I'm sure you're familiar with like using Tantra to prepare your womb for yeah. an orgasmic birth. Mm. And so there's all these things that I want to experience. I don't know for sure that I'll do that. I have a girlfriend that I've led through healing her C-section trauma and she was on medicine and she experienced everything that I just said on the medicine and felt like she healed that trauma through experiencing what she would have wanted on the medicine and also felt like she truly experienced it, you know? So she's taking ayahuasca. Is that what she mean? Mushrooms. Oh, mushrooms. Okay. What does a closing sort of ceremony look like post-birth? Like what could women do who are feeling neglected, unseen, unheard, violated perhaps? What advice do you have for them about how, you know, to close that loop? Similar to integrating a really hard or challenging, you know, experience with mushrooms, LSD, whatever, you know, ayahuasca. Closing that circle, you know, our friend Kyle, you know, he got stuck in this loop where every line he was reliving the hell, you know, and... You know, our friend Paul Check had to help him close that off, but that's between them as to what that was. I think that birth is even more a sacred rite of passage in many regards, which I don't mean to compare things. That's not really what I meant to do there. But birth, I think, is an experience of its own that requires some closing. What did you do for yourself or what advice maybe do you have for women out there who may have experienced birth trauma and now want to know how to close that off to... Yeah. ceremonial closing. It would be similar to what I led that woman through. And it's similar to what you do with all trauma is completing the stress cycle. So 
the trauma is still in the body until you complete that stress cycle. And in order to complete that stress cycle, you have to go back in. And this can be very gentle. A lot of times we think because trauma is so intense that the healing has to be intense, but that's not true. Trauma integration can be pleasurable and it can be gentle. And that also protects us from re-traumatization as well. Yeah, of course. So going back into the trauma in a very safe and held way, doing a lot of work and preparation beforehand to let your nervous system know it's safe to be here, knowing that the person holding the container really, really has you in a safe, loving and held place and that you can trust that. So that's huge. Just that one grounding cord is huge. But going back into that experience and doing the same with breath work, whether you're using a wand or not, inhaling, feeling the sensation of the trauma, whether it's a tightness in the chest, whether it's a heaviness in the womb, like inhaling into that, really feeling that sensation, exhaling, sounding it. And then you can do that for a little while. And then this is really powerful, especially with sexual trauma after sounding it all and moving it through the body. There's a couple of different ways you can do this. You can either use like an internal family systems type situation and emotional freedom technique where you incorporate tapping and matrix reimprinting, but you can go back into that experience and say the girls, it's you at 13 and you have a conversation with her. You allow her to tell you all that she's feeling and all that she's needing and all that she's wanting. And then you give her a new ending, a new outcome. You either allow her to stand up to that perpetrator or to run away or to come live with you, whatever it's good with your inner queen, you know, and you complete the stress cycle in that way, because the mind, we know that time isn't linear. So the only way that our trauma still has hold on us is if it's still existing in the body. If we go back and we give it a new outcome, our mind doesn't know the difference and it's healed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's one way. If you're going to use like that type of technique, or after the breath work, you yourself can act out how you would have, say you went into fight or flight or freeze or whatever it is after using that breath work act out, which has been really, really powerful for some clients that are really big in their expression, especially act out how you would have wanted to respond in that scenario. And that's how you close the cycle. Then in my work, you always end with pleasure. Because it allows your brain to realize, oh, it didn't steal my pleasure. It didn't steal my power. I can go into that. I can feel the pain. I can tap into that anger. And then I can go to pleasure. It creates a new neural network. And it doesn't mean in the future that you're always going to go to pleasure when that memory comes up, but you at least have the new path and you know that it's there. Yeah. So you would do the same with the birth trauma. You would tap into that tap into the sensations, that whether it's shame or guilt or abandonment, whatever it was that you experienced in this birth plan that didn't happen, inhale to feel it, exhale to sound it. And then you would complete the cycle by giving yourself that experience, either mentally using that first method, or I've seen just through breathwork, women look, sound like they're giving birth. And in the experience, they felt like they gave a home birth. So yeah, it's all about completing that stress cycle. That's amazing. Jade, you're such a breath of fresh air, truly. I'm really glad that we've gotten to be friends. You've got my wheels turning. I have nothing to add to that. I mean, you are so articulate and so intelligent and thoughtful about 
some really important things in the world right now. And I think sexuality being the first, but then trauma, womb wounds. I mean, this is really where it's at. So as your work progress, let's definitely do another part as you are exploring some of these topics a little deeper. We'll do like a round two someday and maybe get into some of the birth stuff specifically, because I know quite a bit of my audience's midwives who are helping their clients cope with birth trauma. And there isn't really a good like standard protocol for how to do this. This is a really personalized, very sensitive thing. And many of us are not really trained to do it. So I'm so glad that you're out there doing it. And when you start being able to offer your <laughs> perspective to people and maybe travel and work with women who are going through these things, it does feel like I feel kind of held in a way as well, because I kind of feel like I've got nothing to offer you. Like we can talk this through, but this needs to go deeper. And I don't want or feel that I'm necessarily always capable of holding that space for somebody, but I would feel confident with you doing that for holding even space for me. I mean, you make me feel just so safe. My number one desire in the containers that I hold is that people feel safe. Cause a lot of times, I mean, you can know dozens of methods for healing, but if you don't hold a safety and a presence, it's not going to be effective. Yeah. More than anything, the most effective thing is that you hold a safe presence because most people haven't experienced that. And that alone is, it's so healing. And then it allows the nervous system to open. The one thing I was going to add about the sexuality and the suppression is that women's power is in our sexuality. And a lot of people don't like that sentence because they don't want to feel like it's not their brain or it's not their heart. But we have so much power in our sexuality. And the reason why we don't like that sentence is because it's been so suppressed because exactly right. country and this culture is so afraid of women's power. They're afraid of it. And so they suppress it. And if we can start to heal that, I mean, it'll heal the world. Huge. Yeah. Jade, how can people find you and work with you or just talk maybe apprentice with you. I mean, whatever. People are going to hear this and going to be like, oh my gosh, here's a person who knows things that I have every interest in, but I have nowhere to turn. Yeah. My podcast is Untamed and Unashamed. And I talk about this in a lot of episodes. I'm the host, so I don't talk as much, of course, as I did on this one, but I bring in people like you who have so much wisdom on these areas. And so that's the podcast. All of my social media handles are at the Jade Bryce. And my email is just jadebryce at gmail.com. And I feel that I'm here in service of women's sexuality. And so what I typically offer is a four session minimum where I work with women on reopening to that power, feeling safe to experience pleasure, feeling worthy and deserving of pleasure. There it is right there. Yeah. Worthiness. That's big. Yeah. Oh my God. It's all worthiness. Yeah. Worthiness and deservingness. So I do work with men on it. I'm specifically trained to work with women. I will be trained for men in the future. If I can share one story really quick, this man had sexual trauma when he was 12. As my client, he was in his fifties. He hadn't dated a woman in almost 30 years because she had cheated on him with his best friend. He closed his heart, had not gone on a single date, hadn't experienced any self-pleasure, any of that stuff. And after our fourth session, he approached a woman in a flower shop, took her out on a date and they're now married. So you're like, open. yeah, but the main thing is that I was the first person that he had ever spoken that sexual trauma to, because so many people I've even gone on podcasts where once the mic ends, they're like, 
I've never told anybody this, but this happened to me. Like so many people have sexual trauma that they've never even spoken. So yeah, all that to say, I do have male clients. I'm specifically trained to work with women. That's what I'm certified in. But yeah, I do hold space for both. Amazing. Well, hopefully people flock your way, Jade. I hope we're friends for a good long time. Oh, we will be. I mean that. (laughs) Next time I'm in Austin, I'll see if there's something that we can work on together because I would love to just experience the going in deep. And yes, I've had some very deep journeys in my life, but doing it without medicine is a little harder. Not harder. It's just a little... We think we need to add something from the outside to go deep and clearly through your work. It's actually all right here. Well, what I found is, because I used to feel that way as well, what I found is that through working with the breath, because breath work releases DMT as well, so we get a bit of that effect, but through working with the breath and tapping, I'm actually able to go into deeper places because I think that my higher self knew in order to go into these deeper traumas, I really needed to be in my body. Yeah. So it's not always the case, but without plant medicine, I don't know that I would have ever opened up to that possibility. Yeah. Amen. That's exactly where I am now. It's like, you know, I've gone deep multiple times now. If I could, utilizing breath work and some other basic techniques, that is where it's at. I mean, and even the early psychedelic research, like Stan Groff, when they started opposing the use of LSD, for example, in clinical research, he was like, well, let's try to do this with breath. And he developed holotropic breathing. So like, it's possible. It's just that that's like a bypass, like a fast track to outer space whenever you take medicine. So we will definitely do some work together. If I'm not mistaken, on plant medicine, your ego can still somewhat get in the way. Mm. When you use breath, the thing about breath work is it gets you out of cortical control where you're deciding right and wrong. You know, there's a lot of power in breath work, but they both have their place for healing. And I love them both. There's a style of breathing. The next time I'll send you some, a text after we get off, but there's a style of breathing we used in our own birth, which I don't know if I told you about, but we were doing effigy breath work, which is a hyperventilatory, conscious hyperventilating. And it's not the belly breathing. It's very unique. And outside of pregnancy, it kind of is, it's astral, you know, you're out there. But while my wife was pregnant and we did it, it was very grounding. It got her very much inside. And then we did it during the birth and it was like an hour and a half of waking wild. But that type of breath work is as close to, I have another friend who has had 10 natural births. She's like, that is close to the childbirth experience doing this breath work as I've ever experienced outside of childbirth. And so, you know, for me, that type of breath work is the only one that has gotten me to feel like, whoa, I am looking at myself. The ego is, has apparently dissolved because I am not even aware any longer of the breathing. It's on autopilot and now I'm doing some work and you can feel stuff coming out through your hands and feet and out through your mouth. And it's like, whoa, what is this? So maybe we'll- it's really important to do it with a partner. Yeah. Sometimes you do it with a partner and you'll have the exact same experience and you'll come out of the breath work saying the same thing. Yeah. Like you had this shared collective experience. Yeah. Wow. Well, clearly we have a lot more to talk about, Jade. So thank you for spending some time with me today and I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Bye. Well, if that one didn't leave you tingling, then you might be dead. You better take your index finger and your middle finger, place them just below your mandible. That's your jaw, just below there in that little crevice between your voice box, your larynx there, and that strip of muscle that runs up your neck. Just place your fingers there for a minute. And tell me if you feel something. Because if you don't, you probably need to go see a doctor. 
Jade, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you guys want to know more about Jade, if you want to connect with her, find her on Instagram at the Jade Bryce. She also has an amazing podcast. I've been a guest there, and it's not like I'm being paid to tell you this. She just has these incredibly rich, very wholesome conversations. What I love about Jade is that she shows up so authentically. And time and time again, I say that when a person shows up in authenticity, it gives you permission to really open yourself up, to be a little bit vulnerable, and to really get into the weeds. That's really where connection happens. That's where growth happens. So find Jade, connect with her. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. Her podcast, again, is called Untamed and Unashamed. There's also an Instagram handle by that name. Follow her, find her, send her some love. She's going to love to hear from you. Thanks again to our sponsors, Organifi.com. They have their brand new gold pumpkin spice latte, restful sleep, immune system health. It's delicious. It's creamy. Add some hot water and some whole fat organic coconut milk. Blend it up and sit and enjoy your favorite Netflix and chill session. You can go to Organifi.com slash beloved. You'll save 20% on your purchase. Um, check out their whole product lineup. I just freaking love what they've put together there. It's incredible. And then, of course, Fit for Birth is a personalized coaching system whereby you can be linked up with a fit-for-birth professional and get pregnancy and postpartum-specific exercise and nutrition coaching. There's very, very, very few companies that do this, and I wish there was a million. I wish every, whatever the gyms are, every CrossFit gym was a place where you could go and get customized coaching, but that's just not how it is. So you have to seek out companies like Fit for Birth. And if you need this in your life, go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved. You'll save 20% on any of their packages. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. Remember, nothing I say on the show is medical advice. If you want medical advice, head on over to my website, belovedholistics.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. You can join my PCA. Once you make an annual donation of $43, you'll have access to my whole menu of services. If you're a midwife, a health coach, another type of doctor, healthcare professional, whatever, you can join my collaborator program where I can be an MD consultant on your team. Otherwise, you can book one-on-one consultations with me. You can buy a package of time. I provide pregnancy, postpartum, menopausal, lifestyle medicine through and through, comprehensive OBGYN care. I don't do surgeries anymore. I don't collect pap smears. That's the easy stuff. Go to your doctor's office for that. We're going to get really deep into the weeds. We're going to work through autoimmune conditions, gut issues, anything under the sun. I'm also completing my peristeam facilitator training. I'm moving on to be a peristeam hydrotherapist and probably the only MD that has that certification. I would imagine. Maybe not. There's not many of us, but through vaginal steaming, I can really take a bite out of, so to speak, virtually any GYN complaint. And I'm super stoked about it. So you can find me at belovedholistics.com. You can work with me there. If you're loving this show, spread the word. Continue sharing these episodes across Instagram. I'm on TikTok. My handles on both of those social media platforms are Nathan Riley OBGYN. Find me there. I love connecting with you guys. Like This has just been such an amazing journey. I almost get choked up every single time that I do one of these sign-offs because I just am so thrilled that I get to continue doing this work. Another really great way to support the show beyond purchasing an occasional thing from the sponsors is to go to my online shop, belovedholistics.com slash shop. You'll see every brand, all of my trusted brands. As soon as I find something that is better in class, I just replace it on that website. It has all the discount codes, affiliate links, all those things. It really does all of the commissions from that go into the show to continue running the back end. So thank you so much for doing that. 
And then lastly, last but not least, if you haven't taken the 15 seconds it, it takes in order to leave a review on iTunes, leave me a five-star review. Believe it or not, the algorithm is smart as AI seems to be. The best that iTunes and Spotify can come up with is how many five-star ratings are there? And I've got a bunch, but I'd like to double that. I'd like to get more because then we can rise in the rankings. We can start popping up on news feeds and all this other stuff. Please do that if you have a, if you have a moment today. That's all I got for you today. I got a great guest coming up on the next episode. That'll be episode 93. It's coming out next week on the 19th of October. My friend Amy Fournier, who I met through the Czech tribe, she is coming on the show. And the title of the episode is on embracing your inner Aphrodite. Her podcast is called Awakening Aphrodite for a reason. It's all about embracing femininity, embracing the divine feminine, and roaring through the divine feminine, not this meek, fragile version of the feminine that the media has you playing into. This is about standing in your strength and your power and your truth and letting it roar. You're not going to want to miss this episode with Amy. I hold her near and dear in my heart. You're going to totally dig this episode. I will see you guys in one week back here on the Holistic OBGYN podcast. Thank you so much, everybody, and have a great one. Bye.